Have you ever found yourself wondering about the role that Canadians played in old-time radio? Well, wonder no more. During the next 60 minutes, we'll delve into the careers of actors, writers, and directors who went abroad to find work, as well as those who stayed right here in Canada. Join me as together we explore Canadians in old-time radio. This is Devin Wilkins once again welcoming you to Canadians in Old Time Radio. Have a look at our website, www.cotra.ca. There are some interesting tidbits up there. I promised last week that we would do a full hour of Canadians Abroad this week because we did a full hour of Made in Canada last week. So let's get to it with a show, a Red Skelton show from March 19th, 1946, and the episode is called The Traffic is Terrific. Featured is Montreal-born singer Anita Ellis. Now, medical science offers you proof Positive. Yes, medical science offers you proof positive. No other leading cigarette is safer to smoke because no other gives you less nicotine, less throat-irritating tars than the new smoother, better-tasting Raleigh. The Raleigh Cigarette Program, starring Red Skelton. With David Forrester and his orchestra, our singing star Anita Ellis, Gigi Pearson, Verna Felton, Pat McGeehan, and yours truly, Rod O'Connor. It's a pleasure to bring you Metro Golden Mayor's popular comedian and the star of the Raleigh Cigarette Program, Red Skelton. Thank you very much, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. How are you tonight, Rod? Oh, fine. How are you feeling, Red? I got a cold. Well, take care of it. Uh, I am. I've had it for five days. Still good as new. <laughs> well, I hear Mr. Raleigh's gone back to Louisville. Yeah. Do you have any trouble getting train reservations? Well, a little. The Santa Fe, all they had for him was an upper berth. I remember those things when I was in vaudeville. Upper berths. Me too, brother. I never could get undressed in one of them. No, I remember one night when I tried. I put one arm around my head... The other behind my leg like this, and I give a fast, quick turn like that, and bingo! You were undressed. No, I tied Boy Scout knot number six. <laughs> well, Mr. Raleigh had a lot of fun, I guess, and he's taking a lot of memories back to Louisville. Yeah, Metro Goldwyn Mayer Studios, the La Brea Tar Pits, Mr. Beaumont, everything, you know. <laughs> and that model I introduced him to. Yeah, there's something I'd like to ask you about her. Well, what is it? Yeah, that's what I'd like to know. What is it? <laughs> Any girls with teeth? <laughs> Boy, what a girl. She, cotton stockings, you know. Either she's overconfident or she just don't care. One of <laughs> hey, how much does she weigh, anyhow? Uh, 280, I guess. <laughs> You're not kidding. She put on a yellow dress and seven guys went, Taxi! <laughs> I'm proud, man. That ain't it. Was the head of the spring fashion show. Yeah. Say, by the way, did you get a glimpse of the new spring fashions? Yeah, those hats are wearing the silliest women, you know. <laughs> I saw one made up specially for California women. Really? What did it look like? Yeah, it was two avocados and some lemon peelings and grapefruit rind with a snow shovel offset by fog lights with two smudge pots on each side. <laughs> no matter what happens, she'll be ready. <laughs> 
Say, you know, I read where material for clothes will come from wood, you know, real wood fabric. Really? Clothes made out of wood, huh? Mm-hmm. That ought to put a lot of chiselers back to work. <laughs> hey, Bob. <laughs> wood fabric's not new. I remember when I was a kid, I had a lumber jacket. <laughs> How'd that get in there? <laughs> Say, speaking of clothes, I uh, went to that tailor you told me about. Well, how'd you like the suit he made for you? You know, the one of the plants and the accordion pleats in the front? Mm-hmm. Did you like them? No, every time I stoop over the place, let it snow, let it snow. <laughs> because of the shortage, the, the pants don't have any suspender buttons or belt straps. Suspender <laughs> <laughs> <The> buttons. <laughs> well, how's he expect you to hold them up? You ever heard of the clutching hand? <laughs> well, how's the material? I got cut out in the rain today with it. Well, what happened? You ever try putting your pants on with a shoehorn? <laughs> Well, anyway, it was better than that uh, suit you were wearing when you got discharged from the Army. Where did you get that? Blue and white tweed, or blue and pink tweed. Yeah, you almost loused me up, didn't you? sure did. (laughs) That wasn't blue and pink tweed. Those were moth holes, and the pink part was me. (laughs) Now, medical science offers you proof Positive. Yes, medical science offers you proof. Positive. No other leading cigarette is safer to smoke because no other gives you less nicotine, less throat-irritating tars than the new, smoother, better-tasting Raleigh. Yes, exhaustive scientific tests of America's six biggest-selling brands based on a method used by the United States government. Tests certified by a jury of 14 distinguished doctors, including throat specialists, have proved conclusively... No other cigarette gives you less nicotine, less throat-irritating tars, so no other is safer to smoke. Yes, Raleigh's are right. Right for taste, right for throat. So enjoy Raleigh's rich tobaccos, that smoother, more satisfying Raleigh flavor. Remember, medical science now offers you proof positive. No other cigarette is safer to smoke because no other gives you less nicotine, less throat-irritating tars than the new smoother, better-tasting Raleigh. And now our lovely Anita Ellis will sing Atlanta, G.A. I love the morning glories growing And the breezes softly blowing in Atlanta, G.A. I love to wake up in the morning, see the sun come up at dawn and in Atlanta, G.A. I love to walk among the flowers and taste the honey from the bees. I want to while away my hours, reading books and dreaming dreams beneath the trees. I want to see the ivy clinging, want to hear the robin singing little songs I adore. I want to attend the Sunday meeting, want to hear that friendly greeting when I get home once more. I long to hold that certain someone, I miss him more and more each day. I'm getting ready for a wedding, gonna get the train that's heading for Atlanta, G.A. I wanna see the ivy clinging, wanna hear the robin singing little songs I adore. I wanna attend the Sunday meeting, wanna hear that friendly greeting when I get home once more. I long to hold that certain someone I miss him more and more each day I'm getting ready for a wedding Gonna get the train that's heading for Atlanta For Atlanta Tonight, 
Tonight we fan the pages of the skeleton scrapbook of satire to stories entitled The Traffic is Terrific. Our characters are fictional. If there's any similarity to persons you know, don't brag about it. <laughs> Chapter 102 is titled, entitled uh, Getting a Driver's License. <laughs> If they're afraid to give you a driver's license, either you're stupid or Clem Cadiddlehopper, the fella from the country. I guess I'll drive my new car over that I just bought to see Sarah do. Spend my last dime to buy this car. Of course, I ain't complaining. Where else could you get a better buy for ten cents? <laughs> well, there's somebody coming down the middle of the road now. There's a sight you very seldom see. Especially in California, a pedestrian standing up. Howdy, Clay. Well, Sarah do. Howdy duty to you, too. <laughs> No, it's a sport coupe, if you please. Well, here's it, a convertible. Yep, you put the top down, you got the nicest garbage can you ever wanted. <laughs> How'd you like to take a little ride with me? Well, I don't know, Clem. Oh, can you drive? Can I drive? No. <laughs> you women expect a man to do everything, don't you? <laughs> a driver's license? Well, can't say that I have, no. Well, then you can't drive without one. Hmm? Oh, come on, Clem. I'm going to take you down to get a driver's license. Okay. I'll hop in the car. Okay. This door won't close. I wonder what's keeping it from catching. You didn't give me a chance to pull my ears in. <laughs> well, here we go. something about that ping in the engine. <laughs> I think it could use a little bicarbonate if you had. Well, here we are at the Department of Motor Vehicles. Yep, here, here we are. Well, Clem, Clem, why are you panting? There's no floorboard on my side. <laughs> All the way down here. Well, come on, let's go in and get our license. Okay. Thank you. Good afternoon. What can I do for you? I'm Clem Cadiddlehopper. Sorry, I can't do anything for that. Officer, Clem wants to get a license. The Humane Society is next door. <laughs> now, I ain't no dog. I'm sorry I made that mistake. I guess I was thrown off by his cocker spaniel ears. Now, just a minute. I don't have corker spaniel ears either. The way I got them tucked in my collar here. Well, do you both want to take a driver's test? Uh, no, just him. Well, miss, you wait over there and I'll take care of your boyfriend. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll wait out in the car. Okay, kid. Well, first I'll have to test your eyes, all right? Sit down and face the eye chart, Mr. Cadiddle Hipper. Cadiddle Hopper's your name. Just swallow your tongue, it's easier to say that. <laughs> All right, Adam Brain. Okay. Put your hand over your left eye and read what you see on that chart. Okay. I'm finished. <laughs> I want you to read it aloud. Well, can't you read? <laughs> yes, I can read, but I want you to read it. All right. Let's see now. Never came across words like them in Peter Rabbit. I don't know. <laughs> There must be some mistake. I wanted the license so I could drive in the United States. <laughs> Them words there kind of throw me. The first two look familiar, though. They used to play football for Notre Dame, didn't they? Come on, come on. Read that eye chart. Don't you want to pass this test? That's a good idea. Let's pass this one and go to the next one. Huh? 
How can you be so dumb and still stay alive? Oh, no, I ain't telling you. <laughs> Never give away my professional secrets, I don't Well, here, see if you can fill out this questionnaire. All right, let's see now. That first question, that's a pretty hard one there. I should have studied up on it, I guess. Well, all it asks is your name. <laughs> Give me any hints. I'll get it from Michelle. <laughs> all right, all right. Answer this question. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're crossing an intersection and another car pulls out in front of you, yeah. what do you do? Have an accident? <laughs> Let's try this one. Mm-hmm. When a pedestrian enters a crosswalk, do you drive by or slow down? That's a very good question. <laughs> Is she a blonde? <laughs> We're not getting anywhere with this. Now, let's go out to your car and see if you can pass the driving test. Okay. Come on now, Q-head. We'll see how you can drive. Q-head? You've got a feeling I'll regret this as long as I live. And with me driving, that won't be long, either. <laughs> okay, now drive your car up to this trash can and we'll take it from there. That's no trash can. That's my car. <laughs> Hop in there, hop in. Uh, how'd you make out with the test, Clem? He flunked. And a hundred percent, too. <laughs> now, here, miss, you sit in the back seat and I'll get in front with your boyfriend. All right, Clem, now drive around the block, make it snappy. I've got other things to do, you know. Yeah, and if you were smart, you'd be doing them, too. <laughs> here we go. What makes the engine pop like that? I'm using high-octane kerosene. <laughs> You're coming to a safety zone. Do you know what that means? Yes, sir. That means look out for the pedestrian. That's right. Then when you see one, try to beat the other cars to him. <laughs> oh, look out, Clem. Look out. That car's pulling out from the curb in front of you. Step on the brake. You know which pedal it is? Yeah, I think it's this one. Here. <laughs> Maybe it's the one next to it. <laughs> Remember, medical science offers you proof positive. Remember, medical science offers you proof positive. No other leading cigarette is safer to smoke because no other gives you less nicotine, less throat-irritating tars than the new smoother, better-tasting Raleigh. Joseph Cotton, starring in David O. Selznick's Duel in the Sun, says, quote, I've seen the facts. I'm convinced medical science has proved no other cigarette gives you less nicotine Less throat-irritating tars. Thus, no other is safer to smoke. I'd rather have a Raleigh. Raleigh's all right. You're right, Joseph Cotton. Raleigh's all right. So try Raleigh's. Enjoy Raleigh's rich tobaccos. That smoother, more satisfying Raleigh flavor. Remember, medical science now offers you proof positive. No other cigarette is safer to smoke because no other gives you less nicotine, less throat-irritating tars than the new, smoother, better-tasting Raleigh. David Forrester and his orchestra now play one of the most famous of Spanish dances, Malaguena by the Cuban composer Lecuona.
you very much, David Forster. Chapter 104 of the Skelton Scrapbook is entitled Junior Police. All children should be taught to live a clean and helpful life and respect law and order. This also goes for Junior, the mean widow kid. <laughs> I'm sliding down the banister. Did you remove my face from the bottom step? Yes, I did. <laughs> now you're going to get a whipping. No, not after I've been sliding down the banister. It'll be a sport. Give me time to cool off there. <laughs> What am I going to do with you? Yeah, I don't know. Why don't you play outside with that rubber ball you found yesterday? No, I might run into the little boy I found it from. <laughs> Junior, you mean that the ball belongs to another boy? Well, sure. Get the hairbrush so I can spank you. Now, I don't know where it is, but here, you can throw a rock at me. Go ahead. Here, pick it up and pick me Junior. No, I'm a bad boy. Go ahead, now. I wouldn't do that. No, I should be punished. Throw the rock at me. Go ahead. I am wicked anyhow. I am the worst little boy in the world. No, you're not. Yes, I am. You're really pretty nice. No, I'm not. No, bless his little. No, don't bless his little. I'm bad at home. Oh, you're very nice, Junior. Well, if you insist. Junior, Hmm? I'm going to take a walk. Do you want to go with me? Why are you always taking walk? Because walking helps you take off weight. You take off weight? Goodness, I is puny now. <laughs> My legs are so bony that little dogs follow me around. Catch <laughs> a bottle, yeah. <laughs> Let's go, Junior. Mm-hmm. Who knows, you may meet some nice little boys on the way. Well, in that case, I better wear me brass knuckles, huh? <laughs> That's enough, young man. Come on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My, isn't it a beautiful day? Yes, it is. But I do wish the city would clean up those gutters. Why, didn't Grandpa get home last night? <laughs> Junior, your grandfather got home very early. Not funny. I didn't hear him come in. <laughs> didn't blow the siren this time, did he? <laughs> Look, young man, you're getting too big for your britches. Yes, I know. Every time I bend over, the buttons grab on for dear life, you know. <laughs> It's really embarrassing. Hey, has I grown up much since you first seen me? Oh, yes. Yes. I'll never forget when you were born. Really, Grandma? Did you remember it? Yes. It haunts me day and night. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, look down on the corner there. Look at the kids playing policemen down there. They're not playing, Junior. They're not? They are policemen. Really? I read in the paper where they're organizing the Junior Police Force. You mean they're out to get me, huh? No, Junior. You see, our town is following the lead of Phoenix, Arizona, and many other cities in forming a junior police force. Oh. These children stand on the street corners and guide other children across the street on their way to school. That's why I'm going to join that, too, I Oh, heard. you can't join, Junior, until you start to school. Start to school? You mean carry books and pencils? Yes, Junior. Study and learn to read and write? Yes. Give the teacher an apple? Yes. Play with the other kids at recess? That's right. You couldn't get me to do that with a straitjacket. <laughs> the junior police, you'd have to promise to do all you can to make your home and your town a safe place to live in. Oh, well, I was getting tired of my chemistry set anyway. You know. <laughs> Who's that driver? It's the cop. I knew that they finally cracked me down. Let me out of here. Let's take it on the lamb. to jigged up, Kato. Junior, come back here. I'll meet you when it blows over. I know a doctor that can change my face. <laughs> oh, that's Good afternoon, madam. Well, what is it you want, officer? I came to see you about your little boy. What has he done? Well, I don't know. I don't think he's done anything. You must be a stranger in town. <laughs> I thought maybe he'd like to join our junior police force. Oh, he'd love to. Won't you come in, officer? Thank you. Junior, where are you? Junior, I see you under the sofa. Stool pigeon. <laughs> How are you today, young fella? I'm terrible. I've been in bed two days with three-day measles. And there's catching two of flicks of ammonia. <laughs> Look, he's a fresh. Now, he's the one that's fresh. He spoke to me, and I don't even know him. 
Look, Sonny, I, I came to ask you to join the junior police force. Now, you never get... Join the junior police force? That's right. Well, this is not a booby trap, is it? <laughs> no, son, you look like a nice little gentleman. You better take another look, Bob. <laughs> Wonderful, you a junior policeman. You mean I can carry a Bowie club and give people tickets and stuff? Yes, and you wear a red uniform and a badge and blow a police whistle. Oh, I do believe I've died and gone to heaven. <laughs> of course, <laughs> you know, Junior, you're rather young for the force right now, but yeah. we are trying to enlist all the little boys and girls in our program yeah. so they can qualify as soon as they start to school. Really? I got news for you. You're a windy old bird, ain't you? <laughs> Oh, you wait until I get to be a junior policeman, and I see some guy driving by, and I stop him, boy. Just let me get my hand on him. <laughs> uh-huh. And then, uh, what will you do to him? Well, I will say to him, pull over there. Why don't you drive a little slower and see our city? Or would you rather drive faster and see our jail? Or would you rather see some little kid get killed because of your carelessness? You see, Mr. Driver, you have to protect us, little kids. Because we have been taught that no one really wants to hurt us. And that's why sometimes we run out in the street, we just don't think. And if you don't stop your crazy driving, you might hit a man, woman, child, or even a widow animal. Regardless of what it is, if you carelessly take its life, you'll be responsible for that lonely feeling that's left in a home when that loved one never returns. And the memory of a lifeless widow body won't be worth the five minutes that you tried to save by speeding. Now, don't get mad, Mr. Driver, when I give you this ticket because it's merely a memo of safety and not a punishment. I'm proud of that, Junior. You is? Well, okay, kiddo, but when I get to be a policeman, there can be no more spankings, you know, because you molest an officer, you taking the law in your own hands. Now, send you so far up the river, kiddo boy... It would take Eskimos to deliver the mail to you. Mail? Starting right now, you must try and be a good little boy so that the junior police will take you in. That's what I'm going to do. And I, right now, going to go upstairs and take that bear trap and that five-inch firecracker out of Grandpa's bed. <laughs> Remember, we'll all be back with your next Tuesday at the same time. Red Skelton, David Forster, and his orchestra, Anita Ellis, Bernard Felton, Gigi Pearson, Pat McGee, and yours truly, Rod O'Connor. Until next Tuesday, then. This is Red Skelton saying goodbye now, and thanks for listening. Brown and Williamson invite you to other good listening throughout the week. Here the Raleigh Room, starring Hildegard tomorrow night, and People Are Funny with Art Linkletter Friday night. And return with Red Skelton next Tuesday. Red Skelton is heard in this program through the courtesy of Metro Golden Mayor. Sir Walter Raleigh, the pipe tobacco that rates superior on all five counts. Check them. A rich, ripe, full-bodied, burly blend. Sir Walter Raleigh, mellowed with rum for extra smoothness, deep down, satisfying goodness. Sir Walter Raleigh, clean smoking right down to the bowl bottom, leaves only a clean, dry ash. Sir Walter Raleigh, crimp cut for slow, even cool burning. Sir Walter Raleigh, keeps home sweet home, the brand of grand aroma. Sir Walter Raleigh, sooner or later, your favorite tobacco. Yes, a favorite in the Army, Navy, Marines, and Coast Guard, with men everywhere who appreciate quality pipe smoking. Try Sir Walter Raleigh, the quality pipe tobacco of America. Red Skelton is brought to you by the Brown and Williamson Tobacco Corporation. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Next, we'll hear an episode of Escape. The name is called Journey into Fear. And it features Winnipeg-born Jack Crucian. And the date is November 24th, 1950. Hmm. The day I was born. You, finding life rather dull, dreaming again of exotic places, wishing you were somewhere else, we offer you Escape.
Escape with us now to Istanbul, the nerve center of Balkan intrigue and violence, and the story of a man caught in the fatal web of the most cold-blooded political organization on Earth, as Eric Embler tells it in his famous tale, Journey into Fear. Bonsoir, monsieur. Bonsoir. Bien. 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 But I could feel the blood beginning to trickle through my fingers. There, there wasn't a sound. And as I crouched against the wall, I became dimly aware that the window was open and that someone was moving by it. And then my eyes, becoming used to the darkness, saw that whoever had been at the window had left by it. I, I reached for the light switch and found it. The hand hurt like the very devil. Is is that you, Kopekin? Yes, what is it? I have only this moment come in. Uh, Where are you? I'm in my in my hotel room. Listen, something rather stupid has happened there. There was a burglar up here. He took pot shots at me as I came in, and one of them hit me in the hand. Are you badly hurt? No, but it, it, it gave me a nasty shock. Have the police been notified? No, not yet. Good. Leave the matter to me. I will speak to a friend of mine about it. He is connected to the police and with great influence. As soon as I am finished, I shall come over. Well, there's, there's no need for that. Excuse me, my dear fellow. There is ever a need. You must stay in your room until I arrive. Well, I had no intention of going out. Well, if you must come over, Kopekin, please hurry. I, I, I want to get some sleep tonight. Does it occur to you that this man was shooting to kill you and that he came here for no other purpose? Oh, that's nonsense. The man was a thief. Why should anyone wish to kill me? I'm the most harmless man alive. Are you? Remember I told you that I was going to telephone a friend of mine? Yes. We are going to see him at once. Oh, well, I'm jolly well not. I'm tired. I want to go to bed. Unfortunately, I have official instructions. A man tried to murder you tonight. Something must be done about it at once. Murder? Are you out of your mind? I am sorry, my dear fellow. I can understand your feelings. But this friend of mine is Colonel Haki. He's the head of the Turkish secret police. Oh, now, look here, Kopekin. What's this all about? I thought you were my company's Turkish representative. Now you talk about secret service and all that rubbish. Please, I cannot tell you anything more. It is to our mutual interest that we go at once to Colonel Haki. You must believe me. All this hysteria of absolutely nothing. My dear fellow, it is most certainly not nothing. Get your overcoat. It's cold out. You must realize, Mr. Graham, that an attempt was made to kill you tonight. Well, now, I don't see that at all. I mean, I disturbed a thief at his work. He fired at me and escaped. A thief? Unfortunately, no. I have a duty to do, Mr. Graham. It is to protect you. Protect me? From what? You are in the employ of vessels Cater and Bliss Limited, the English armament manufacturers. Yes. You are, I believe, Mr. Graham, a naval ordnance expert. I'm, I'm an engineer, and naval ordnance happens to be my subject. Exactly. And your firm has contracted to do some work for my government. Certain new guns and torpedoes to rearm our naval vessels. Well, that's true. It is also true that our government stipulated that the work should be completed before spring. Yes. Exactly. Due to the international situation, we must have the equipment in our dockyards by that time. Let us suppose, then, that your thief had not merely grazed a hand but had killed you. Well, naturally, my, my company would send another man out. Which would take time. Eh, Mr. Graham? 
Unless, of course, there exist sketches, drawings, and all that they need to know about our ships. Oh. Uh, no. I, I mean, I was forbidden to put certain things on paper. Ah. Then, if you were to die, it would take a great deal of time for another man to accomplish what you have already done, no? And when spring comes, our Navy's strength is still precisely what it is now. Do you know, Mr. Graham, that our enemies will do anything to see that it is so? Anything, Mr. Graham. Do you understand? Oh. Quite so. I have here, Mr. Graham, a photograph of a man. I am aware you did not catch a glimpse of the assassin's face, but I want you to cast your mind back over the time you have been in Turkey and tell me if you have ever seen him before. All right. Uh, hello. Yes. You are sure? Positive. Have a look, Kopekin. He was at the cabaret you took me to tonight. I remember him at the bar. Yes, he was there. Excellent. Vanat, mm -hmm. Romanian. A hired murderer. We know him well. His price ranges from 50,000 francs upward. His employer is a man named Voroshin, who in turn is hired by his country to eliminate you. Unfortunately, we possess no photograph of him. I begin to understand. Of course you do. Now, we face the problem. You must return to England safely. But how? The train is out of the question. You wouldn't live for an hour. The aeroplane. Unfortunately, the weather here has disrupted service. There is the Sestri Levante sailing for Athens tomorrow afternoon. It is a small boat. Mm -hmm. And we can see that your enemies do not board her. From Athens, you can take the plane to England. Well, I, I, I don't know, Colonel. Uh, in, in view of what you've told me, perhaps I should get in touch with the British Embassy here. And what do you expect them to do? Send you home in a cruiser? No, no, my dear Mr. Graham. This is a question of time. Leaving tomorrow afternoon, we'll land you in Athens the day after. That is how it is to be. Well, I, I seem to have no choice in the matter. I'm happy to see that you are cooperative. Return to your hotel, Mr. Graham. We shall see you safely aboard tomorrow. The next afternoon, Kopekin and Colonel Haki saw me aboard. As a bon voyage gift, they presented me with a bottle of Johnny Walker and a small pistol, both of which I put in my suitcase. Besides myself, there were four other passengers, all of whom Colonel Haki assured me were harmless. The gangway went down, I felt the ship sway gently, and the journey had begun. My companions were an odd assortment of continental travelers. There were the Matis who occupied the cabin next to mine, a middle-aged French couple who argued incessantly. Their voices penetrated the thin wooden bulkhead with dismaying ease. The sheets are damp. No, no, it is simply that they are cold. It does not matter. You think not. You may sleep as you wish, but do not complain to me about your kidneys. Cold sheets do not harm the kidneys, Sherry. We have paid for our tickets. We are entitled. Then there was a Mr. Covetli, whom I learned at the dinner table was a dealer in tobacco. A short, heavy man with a smile fixed like that of a ventriloquist doll. I go to England. Trade in tobacco is very good. England buys much tobacco from Turkey, you know. With American dollars so expensive and possibility of war, it is good business, Mr. Mati. So, uh, I arrange a good deal of transportation for tobacco companies. Ah. Uh, what company do you represent? Uh, Passar of Istanbul. Passar? I, I must I... say these ravioli are exquisite. The last passenger was a thick, round-shouldered man with a pale face and prominent blue eyes. He introduced himself over a brandy in the lounge. My name is Haller, Dr. Fritz Haller. I am a German, a West German, and I am on my way back to my country. Oh, have you been long in Turkey? A few weeks. I came there from Persia. Ah, your oil business, hmm? No, Mr. Kirby. Archaeology. Oh, now, how interesting. Those were my fellow passengers. At nine o'clock that night, the cutter came out from Kanakali to take off the pilot, and with it came a telegram. It was from Kopekin in Istanbul. 
and it read, H requests me to inform you that Banat left for Sofia on train. All well. Safe journey to England. Best wishes. I, I thought of the pistol in my cabin and I, I laughed to myself. It was an Aegean day, intensely colored in the sun, with small pink clouds drifting in a bleached indigo sea. I lazed in my bunk. I had coffee sent in. And later, I was standing by the rail talking to the little Frenchman. Beautiful, beautiful. Oh, my wife has no appreciation for the lights such as these. Oh, what a shame. Uh, my wife, you mean? Oh, well, one cannot have everything. She is a wonderful cook. How fortunate. Yes. Oh, by the way, have you met our new passenger? New passenger? Yes, didn't you know? We stopped at the island of Lemnos during the night. He came aboard then. Uh, a Greek, I think. I hardly heard what he said. Not very sociable. Because idea, at that moment from the lounge stepped a man. Beneath the high-crowned, soft-felt hat with the pale, doughy features of a face I had seen before. A face in a photograph. A photograph that Colonel Hockey had shown me. It was the man who had tried to kill me. The Romanian. Banat. Escape, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, returns in just a moment. Even the children cheer when they know school's open in our Miss Brooks' classroom. Yes, yeah, she's here, charming, romantic, utterly madcap, and played to the hilt by Hollywood's Eve Arden. You'll love her, you'll laugh with her, again tonight on most of these same CBS stations. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. And now, back to Escape. I heard Matisse's voice as though from a long way off. Monsieur, do you not feel well? Then I turned, and without Monsieur! looking at the man who had just come on deck, I went below. Somehow, Banat must have learned that I was on the Sestri Levante. He had taken the train for Sofia, and then as soon as it had crossed the Greek border, left it. It was a simple thing to fly from there to Lemnos. I thought of the telegram. All well. Those idiots. And now I was caught. Banat wouldn't miss twice. He was a professional murderer. I had to get help, and so I went to the purser's office. He was a precise little man who smiled when I talked to him. Look, uh, I found out there is a man on this ship who is here for the express purpose of murdering me. Indeed? And what is his name? Banat. B-A-N-A-T. He's a Romanian. He... Banat? Bar... Banat? Uh, one moment, sir. And I look here. You don't suppose he'd give his real name, do you? Banat? Banat? No. There is no one of that name or nationality aboard. He got on during the night at Lemnos. Oh, there is Mr. Mavrodopoulos. He's a Greek businessman. That may be what his passport says. His real name is Banat and he's a Romanian. Have you proof of that? Have I proof? Now, look. If you're just radio Colonel Haki of the Turkish police at Istanbul, he'll confirm what I say. As I say, sir, we do not have radio for that purpose. I suggest that you leave the matter until we reach Athens. But can't you understand that man intends to kill me? No, sir, I do not understand. Nobody on this ship is going to murder you. There are too many people about. Oh. You have had bad dreams. It is ridiculous. I want to see the captain. I am extremely busy, sir. If you will close the door as you leave. I was almost sick with fear and anger as I left, and I went back to my cabin. Well, I could still go to the captain, but I could well imagine his reaction to my story. There was no proof, and these people were loath to stir up international complications. No. I was alone with my murderer somewhere on the ship with me. And then I remembered the revolver Kopakin had given me. I'd never handled a gun before, but at least it would give me a chance. It was something. I went to my suitcase and I opened it. Well, it must be. I, and I put it in myself just before I got on board. It had to be there. There was nothing. Someone had been in my cabin and had taken the gun.
Mr. Graham, we were all worried about you. I told them that you had the sickness, too much sea. Oh, Well, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I had rather a bad headache. I hope that it is nothing serious. No, thank you, uh, Mr. Haller. Have you met uh, Mr. Mavrodopoulos? No, I haven't had the pleasure. This is our English friend, Mr. Graham. How do you do? Nice. The soup is nauseating, Monsieur Graham. I suggest that you do not partake of it. When this woman... Must you keep on? Sorry, my dear. Uh, Tell me, Monsieur Mavratopoulos, are you bound for Athens, or do we enjoy your company as far as Genoa? I go to Athens. Then perhaps I continue on. Or perhaps not. A uh, difficult decision, eh, Mr. Mavratopoulos? Yes. I notice your hand, Monsieur. Is bandaged. An accident? Nothing serious. A bullet wound, to be exact. Some dirty little thief took a shot at me in Istanbul. Dirty little thief, huh? You must look after yourself carefully. You must be ready to shoot back next time. Oh, I shall. There's not the slightest doubt of that. To carry a pistol, huh? Naturally. That is good. One must be so careful. You should be very careful. I don't think it's necessary. That sort of scum doesn't risk his skin with an armed man. The grin that had been on the Romanian's face faded. He hadn't liked that. And then I thought of something. Banat had taken my gun. It must be somewhere in his cabin. If I could slip away for five minutes, there was still a chance. As soon as the luncheon ended, I I excused myself and I wandered off. I could see Banat engaged in conversation with Mati, and I prayed that it would be a long one. Banat's cabin was strangely bare. A grey raincoat hung with a soft hat behind the door, and a battered suitcase was under the lower berth. But the gun was nowhere to be found. Nor was it anywhere in the cabin. I went to my quarters feeling helpless and needing a drink to steady my nerves. I have been waiting for you, Mr. Graham. Mr. Haller. I rather think that you have been looking for something. A gun, possibly? Would this be it? Well, I don't understand how you... Uh, No, Mr. Graham. Uh, Please, don't come any closer. Uh, Sit down. I came to have a little talk with you. Sit down. You know, Mr. Graham... Poor Mavrodopoulos, or should I say Banat, is quite upset as I am. You have caused us a great deal of trouble and money. Yes, I begin to see now. I wonder if your name happens to be Voroshin and not Haller. Dear me, I had no idea that you are so well informed. Colonel Haki must have been in a very talkative mood. And did he know I was in Istanbul? I don't think so. I thought not. You see, in order to take care of you, I had to take a hand myself. Barnard was extremely careless at your hotel. When I found yesterday morning that you were to leave on this boat, I had to move very quickly. Luckily, there was a man named Haller who had booked passage with his assistant three days ago. Therefore, I took over his ticket and passport. Uh, Poor unfortunate. But it would have been awkward to book passage at the last minute without attracting Colonel Harker's attention. Yes, I imagine it would. Well, now, supposing you come to the point... Certainly. It must be clear to you that we cannot allow you to return to England. The obvious method of ridding ourselves of your presence is to shoot you the moment you land. But that could become complicated. It could. The other alternative is to induce you to take a holiday for six weeks or more. I see. In other words, you hold up my return to England so that my company's work would be delayed to the point of uselessness for the Turkish government. You have a keen mind, Mr. Graham. Tonight, we reach Athens. If you like the idea, you will live to see your England again. And uh, if I refuse to take this holiday? Then things will be complicated, will they not? I think you're bluffing. Hasn't it occurred to you that I shall repeat this conversation to the captain? It has occurred to me. As a matter of fact, the purser was telling me about your little talk with him this morning... 
I'm afraid that the ship's officers, including the captain, have enjoyed the joke very much. They call you the mad Englishman and love. Well, Mr. Graham, which is it to be? If I take this holiday, where will it be? In a charming villa near Athens. You will enjoy all the comforts of home, I assure you. I shall give you an hour to think about it. Remember, we are not at war, Mr. Graham. You are not a soldier. In reality, you are doing your country no disservice. No one will ever know. He left me alone. It was not a pleasant choice he had given me. I knew that Banat and he could keep their promise to kill me when I landed. And I was equally sure that the holiday Voroshin spoke of would be a very long one. That either way, I should never return to my wife or to England. And I sat for half an hour smoking and trying to think. And then I remembered. Mati! Yes? Oh, Monsieur Graham. May I speak to you for a moment? But of course. What is it? Uh, Monsieur Graham, ma chère. Uh, would you come into my cabin? Certainly. I shall be back in a moment, my dear. I, I, I need your help. I thought that you looked serious. Uh, is it money? Uh, no. No, I want you to take a message for me when we dock at Athens. A message? Monsieur Marty, you are the only man aboard I feel that I can trust. Oh, I am honored. Listen. I'm employed by a British armor manufacturer. Uh-huh. I, I'm working in joint service with the British and Turkish governments. No. When I get off the ship tonight, an attempt will be made to kill me. This is true? Yes, I'm afraid it is. What I want you to do is to go to the Turkish consulate in Athens and give him a message for me. Will you do that? Uh, I will do it. You realize the message is highly confidential? I will say nothing. Thank you. All right, then, this is it. Inform Colonel Haki, Istanbul, that Graham is forced to accompany Soviet agents Voroshin and Banat, traveling with passports of Halle and Mav... Mavropopoulos. Is it possible? Unfortunately, it is. Well, uh, go on. In the event of my death, please inform the British consul that these men are responsible. Mon Dieu, so that is why you looked sick when I spoke of Mavropopoulos this morning. Alors, why do we not together shoot down the filthy swine? I have my revolver. You have a gun? Uh, Here? But yes, when one travels... Well, then there is something else you can do for me. Let me buy your revolver. I will not sell it to you. I give it to you. Here. Oh, thank you. But, but let me help you. No, no, no. This is huh? splendid. Oh, I am grateful, Monsieur Mati. And you will take the message? It is understood. Have no fear. A half an hour later, I told Boroshin that I would agree to his plan. I'm sure that he didn't believe me, but nor did he know that I was armed. It was a forlorn hope. But if I was going to die... I would have the satisfaction of knowing that others would die with me. At eight o'clock, the Sestre Levanti was approaching her berth. I had agreed to pass through customs and to meet Voroshin on the street. As I stood at the rail watching the key drawing closer, I saw Barnat standing to one side, hand in pocket and a fat smile on his face. He knew that he was going to earn his fee tonight. Voroshin stepped off the ship first, turned... Waved cheerily to me. Banat followed him, and they both disappeared into the custom shed. I walked slowly down the gangway, and Mr. Kuvetli came pushing after me. Mr. Graham, Mr. Graham, please. Yes, what is it? Colonel Haki would be very angry with me if I allowed you out of my sight. Haki, I wanted to tell you before on deck, but Banat was watching. I did not dare to say anything earlier. Your face gives away too much, Mr. Graham. You, Kuvetli, you're a Turkish agent? One of Haki's men? Yes. I nearly gave the game away when I spoke of my non-existent tobacco firm. I thought you would know when the Frenchman questioned me. Colonel Hockey wanted to be sure that you caught your plane safely. That is why I was aboard. But what can we do? Together we go through customs, and then we shall see. Customs inspection, as ever on the continent, was slow. Although I find myself wishing that it would never end. But it did. And if Cubetli had a plan, he evidently didn't feel it worth mentioning. He smiled at everyone. The plump little businessman who, to all appearances, would deal in ladies' finery rather than international intrigue. 
and we found ourselves, suitcases in hand, walking toward the street. So that is over. I find this inspection so tedious. Now, look here, Quebecli. I'm, I'm extremely grateful for your presence, but what are we going to do? Borosheen and Banata waiting out there with a the car. They're waiting for me. I know, I know. It has all been arranged. But you mean that we walk through those doors and do nothing? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> You'll see. Well, I hope you have a gun. I have. Good. So have I. Oh? Yes. Thanks to the Frenchman. There they are. Do we run for it? Go on walking, Mr. Graham. Keep your hand away from your pocket. That's it. Are you mad? They'll kill us. You, Mr. Graham, not me. Go on. Under my overcoat is a gun. Please do not make trouble. Go on. Oh, what a blithering idiot. You're one of them, too. We're ready, Voreshin. Yeah, taken long enough. Hurry up. He's got a gun, Voreshin. Left hand pocket. Get in, Mr. Graham. Look out! <laughs> I remember a perfect fusillade of shots, and then something cracked me on the skull, and I was falling. It was all very dark and comfortable. Mr. Graham. Mr. Graham. Mm. Mr. Graham. Ah. He is all right. Mr. Graham. Mr. Kopekin and Colonel Hackey. Mm. You are safe. Oh. Oh, good show. You've been unconscious. Really? You are at the airport now. You see, we found the bodies of two men in Ankara. They were archaeologists, Halar and his assistant. I realized that Borishin and one of his men must have boarded the ship using their passports. Yes, I found that out. We flew a government plane here, Kopekin and I, to wait for you. The Greek authorities were kind enough to assist. Yes, uh, very, very kind. Not at all. And now, my dear fellow, the plane is waiting to take you to England. We'll see you safely aboard. Yes. Um, I say, what about Barnett and Borashin and Kubetli? Oh, yes. It was rather unfortunate. After you fell, they tried to get away in the car. Someone hit a tire. There was a smash-up. The petrol tank exploded. <laughs> a tragedy. Oh. Yes. Well, 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 it's very decent of you. My dear fellow, it has been a pleasure. Come along. We will help you to your plane. I am sure you're anxious to get home to England and your wife. Come along. Under the direction of Norman MacDonald, Escape has brought you Journey into Fear by Eric Embler, especially adapted for Escape by Anthony Ellis. Ben Wright was starred as Graham. Featured in the cast were Wilms Herbert, Edgar Berrier, Rolf Sedan, Ann Morrison, Jack Crucian, Lou Krugman, and Shimon Ruskin. The special music for Escape was composed and conducted by Ivan Detmars. Next week, escape with us to Malaya and the reeking stricken city of Lapore, where a young doctor and a beautiful girl are faced with the horrors of plague and the bloody holocaust of a native revolt. As Charles Israel tells it in... Funeral Fires. That'll do it for this time. Thanks so much for listening, and I do hope you'll join me again soon. Bye for now. If you've enjoyed the shows you've heard during the past hour, be sure to tune in again next week, same time, same station, when once again, we'll listen to programs that are remembered today thanks to the involvement of Canadians in old-time radio. This is Devin Wilkins speaking.